This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Lions are 0-8. They have the worst record in the NFL. Are they the worst team, though, in the NFL? That's the topic I'd like to put on the tee and have us grip and rip to start this episode, Jacob. Jacob Breck, Tom Opperman here with you. Obviously, they're the only team that could still match their former selves from 2008 and the 2016 Cleveland Browns as 0-16 teams. But I don't see them as an 0-8 team. I don't really see them as a winless team right now. There's about three games, I think, on this schedule that they could have won. I think you're looking at more like a Bears kind of team, like a 3-5 and five record team. Maybe even a 2-7. and seven. So either- I, I, I think 3-6 and six is maybe a little too generous because when they're playing good teams, they're still going to lose those, i.e. the Ravens. But The Ravens, too. I mean, I mean first of all, <laughs> what a dumpster fire Yikes. that was last night for the Ravens against Miami. Speaking of another 2-7 and seven team, I don't know if Miami's – any that much better than the Lions are. However, as of recent, you would have to assume that the Lions are indicative of the record. Yes, they were losing close early on, but the last three weeks, 34 to 11 to the Bengals, 28 to 19 to the Rams, closer than expected, but then 44 to 6 against the Eagles. Eagles stink. I know you think the Eagles are better than what I do, but I think they stink. I mean, they you- you can't taking, be at home and get blown out like that. Taking to them. care of business against worser teams, the Eagles did just that. Something that the the Rams couldn't do, something that the Packers couldn't do for an entire half, something that the Ravens couldn't do until Justin Tucker stepped in. Seventy combined points is the margin that they Detroit Lions have lost by in their past three games. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't really blow teams out though. That's not in their DNA. That's not that's not what they're made to do, especially this modern version of the Steelers. Yeah, not there's, just this year in the past, but also especially But especially this year. This year. There's right. just no offensive firepower to drop a 40 piece on people's heads. Uh, I don't even think the defense is stout enough honestly to, to hold teams back it. for a full 60 minutes of a game. So, both sides of the ball just incapable of blowing a team out. This Steelers team, a blowout might be winning by a touchdown, which I think is a fair assumption <laughs> could happen in this game against the Lions. The spread's like nine and a half. I think it's actually down to eight now, Steelers giving the Lions. I don't think the Steelers cover that spread, but like I said, I think they win by a full touchdown, and I think that that is blowing a team out for the 2021 Steelers. Yeah, I would say a touchdown or 10 points. Is a Ten points win. is a big blowout. Is a, for is them. a comfortable win. That's a Steelers. dog walking yeah. from this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Tom, what seventy plus points over the last three games? Majority of that came against the Eagles, but still, you're starting to see them not really keep in with things as much as they did early on. Like I mentioned, with the Ravens, especially coming down to just a field, a ridiculously long field goal, historic setting f- field goal. I just don't think that the Steelers are going to follow suit in, in behind the steps of the Eagles and the Rams and the Bengals. I see it much more similar to a game early on in the Lions season, such as the one against the Ravens. So when you look at the Lions defense, it's kind of a match made in heaven for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, or at least what the Steelers offense would like to do in games. Lions defense is abysmal against the run. Bottom half of the league by far. They give up about 134 yards per game on the ground. The only redeeming quality that the Lions have on, I think, both sides of the ball, when you look at just statistics, 
They're 14th in pass defense. So somehow, some way, they're doing a decently enough job against the pass. Again, that's not great. But as I was saying to Matt Williamson on the advanced scout this week, when you look at everything else they do terribly, being 14th in the league at this, wow, they're world beaters, uh, apparently, <laughs> at stopping the pass. Hang the banner for, for the Detroit at the end of the season. 14th best in pass and pass defense. So you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't really want to be passing the ball much anyway. Four straight games they've run the ball more than they've passed the ball. That's the first time they've done that, and I, I can't even remember how long. You want to be a run-first football team. Well, this is a defense that lets you be a run-first football team. The only decent thing they do is stop that pass. You're going to be without Chase Claypool. You're going to have to ride with thin uh, receivers, Deontay being really the only main one out there now with the Claypool and Juju injuries. Obviously, you still have Fryermuth and Najee to work with. But hand that rock off to Najee. Offensive line kind of had a regression game against that Bears front. Could not get the lanes open for Najee to run through. Get right against the Lions. Start to get back on that track. It's a terrible run defense. Tom, it's I'm not t- as good as the Bears at run defense. Just start running the ball over them. I'm but. sick of these get right, or at least should be get right games. We were talking about that for Seattle with no Geno Smith. I think you're sick of the get right games not getting them right. That, that's, that's what, what I meant. Yeah. yeah. I'm sick of labeling a game on a Friday or a Wednesday when we do our shows and saying this is the get right game and it never happens. Geno Smith and the Seahawks get right game doesn't happen. Justin Fields rookie in the Chicago Bears get right game doesn't happen. Now it's Jared Goff and the Lions get right game. Yet to be said, but if history tells us anything, I I, I can't have the confidence in this team to call it a get. To, to say that this is for sure going to be a get-right game. We were saying on our Fireside Friday last week, leading up to the Bears and Steelers, that the Steelers should have an expectation for Najee Harris to have at least 150 yards from scrimmage. Barely touched that, if he even got to it. We were saying the same thing weeks before when they were facing off against Seattle on Sunday Night Football. This is a horrible, horrible defense overall. Pass defense, run defense, there's nothing special about it. This has to be a breakout game for Najee Harris in prime time. Didn't happen. Now it's a 1 o'clock game. There's going to be really no one outside of Pittsburgh and Detroit watching this game. Maybe Baltimore fans just because they already had their game last night. If people in Detroit are watching it, kudos to you too because, yikes, how could you turn into that team? I honestly think Baltimore fans will be tuned in because with with their loss last night, the Steelers are wide open. The Steelers and Bengals and and the Browns all have a wide open path to catching them to, to get the AFC North crown right now. Steelers win, they're in first. Exactly. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think outside of Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Detroit, no one's going to be watching this game. So Najee Harris, you missed your opportunity to put yourself on the map as one of the elite running backs in this league. But that doesn't mean you still can't have a good day. However, I'm still going to be hesitant to expect something like that because in the get-right games, the Steelers don't seem to ever truly get right. I will say this, though. There's still going to be plenty of opportunities as the season continues to work its way towards the finish line for Najee to put himself on that map and to have the showcase games. Still a couple couple primetime games sure. left for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But including... none that are going to be as opportunistic as playing against bad defenses like Chicago and Seattle. 
True, although I think the Chargers' rush defense is pretty abysmal. We'll get to the Chargers next week. Got to take care of business yeah. this week. You and that's, need to get the 6-3 before you even set your eyes on the Chargers. That's the main thing, though. I can totally see how you can get those eyes kind of looking around the corner at the L.A. Chargers and say, okay, Sunday night football, two teams that are probably going to be 6-3, and three, two teams leading their respective divisions. Wow, this is going to end up being a hell of a football game uh, two weeks from now. Can't do it. Got to at least try to stay focused on the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. I know that Mike Tomlin has his typical Tomlin losses and, oh, he always lets down and, oh, a team that's terrible always comes and beats the Steelers when they have no business beating the Steelers. Obviously, this is a candidate for that. I don't see it happening, and honestly... I really feel like Tomlin's got the pulse of this team better than he has in the past couple of years. Uh, I think the best pulse that Tomlin had on a team was in 2019 when Ben went down. I, I think he really pushed all the right buttons there. I and mean, I, expectations were so low. How could you have a wrong read on that I team? feel like he's pushing all the right buttons again this sure. year. I mean, the fact that they had the three-game losing streak and have ripped off four straight wins after that— uh, there's no even semblance of the locker room being lost from this guy. These guys just continue to buy in more and more and more, and that's why, despite the track record being there of a letdown loss, I see the focus being there on Sunday. And even if they don't blow them out, I don't think you can come away and be like, well, they sleptwalk their way through that game. Like we said in the onset of this episode, they just don't blow teams out. There won't be any sleepwalking. They'll be ready to play Sunday at 1. You, you Every game even, matters, and I think Tomlin is drilling that into them right now. I completely agree. And you might even see the Detroit Lions hold a lead at some point during this game. Well, they've never held a lead in 2021 in the second half of a football game, which so is if, uh, if, uh, it's, it's, it's week 10. How in the hell is that possible? <laughs> I don't know how that's, well, you're 0-8 or you're 0-9. That's how that happens. Uh, but I So maybe are you saying – if the Detroit Lions hold a lead in the second half, that's when you get concerned? If they get their first lead? I mean, it would be really tough for me to feel concerned in this game. If the Lions are up by a touchdown and there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter, maybe that's the first time I have doubts start to creep in. Does it frustrate you at all when the offense kind of comes out stagnant like they did in the, in the, in the, in the second half against Chicago? Of course. And then, But then with... Minutes to go before Boswell's game-winning 40-yard field goal. They march down the field, you know, slam pass to Deontay, a little touch pass to, to Ray Ray McLeod, a little Najee Harris 10-yard carry. Like, it's nothing. Like it's, like, it's practice to them. Nothing is more frustrating, I think, than an offense that stalls. I mean, Thursday— And, and, then, and then shows you later on when it matters that they can move the ball down exactly, as that they can score. Anyone. I saw that firsthand Thursday with Pitt, North Carolina. Pitt yeah, was shut out in the second half of the football game. First overtime possession, three plays, touchdown, easy ball game. It's like, where the hell was that for 30 minutes? 30 minutes. Same exactly. thing with the Steelers. You just wonder how this happens. How? And we're not saying you got to score every single drive, right. but a touchdown in the second half would have been just humongous. I mean, and we saw what their scoring drives were. Yes, they got another touchdown uh, to Pat Fryer. The fourth quarter, I mean, a touchdown would have been yeah, nailing, the, nailing coffin. the coffin. Yeah. Right. The farthest you could progress that offense was to the point where Boswell was kicking 54 and 52-yard field goals. Yes, you got him in position, 
but you couldn't progress any more than that. You got him in position, but it's a pretty risky position. 50-yard bombs are some really tough field goals to make. I think right. Boswell spoils us because he makes them so often. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said on our previous episode earlier this week, that I think there are only two kickers right now in the NFL, Justin Tucker and Chris Boswell, who are... Almost automatic from 50. I mean, we, we just saw, however, Justin Tucker missed a field goal last night. It's true. And we saw Chris Boswell miss an extra point last week, so they're always going to have their flukes, but Tuck- game on the line. Tucker can- seems to miss those field goals in games that it's don't really fluky. matter. It's fluky. And games that are already going to be, like, his miss there didn't really affect the them winning the game. The one miss I'll always remember for Justin Tucker was against the Saints, what was it, four-ish years ago, maybe three years ago? It was to win the game, and he just pooched it. And I don't know if you remember his facial reaction. It was like a 35-yard field goal. Easy money for Justin Tucker. And he, he was in more disbelief than anyone else because he knew he could make that shot. In his sleep with his right. eyes closed. But... but Yeah, they have these fluky moments where they'll just miss at the most random moments. But anyway, back to you know the Detroit game and the, the Lions defensively. Just no fear. There's no real star on the defense. Arroyo Ray, I totally butchered that. Amani is his first name. The cornerback, he's got three interceptions, four passes defended. He's pretty decent. Alonzo Ney, uh, the the middle linebacker, he's okay. He never leaves the field, really. He plays the most snaps for the Lions, but there's no star power on that defensive I mean, side the of the football. The only guy who would impress me is Jeff Okuda, and he's been out for the he's year. He's not there. Yeah. But the other, the, that's the only name I recognize. That's no. the only name I rec. That, that's what I'm saying is that you were butchering these names. Never would I mean I never hear them. The only name you know on that Detroit Lions defense is Okuda, but he's out for the year. Out for the year, and uh, they do have a physicality to them now. Dan Campbell's brought an edge to the team. They they definitely are a Titans kind of ish team where they're going to punch you in the mouth and they're going to strap up the chin strap and out physical you for sixty minutes. But they just don't have the dudes yet to have success from that. I mean, it's not fair, I would say, to completely just abandon the Dan Campbell era because they are starting from the very, 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 very bottom and trying to build this thing back up. But going 0-17, which would it be now, that's tough for an owner to extend faith on. I mean, Hugh Jackson. You got to win a game. Hugh Jackson did it. You gotta win a football game. I, I think they can. I they do too. Prove, I, I think they should have already. I hope it's not against the Steelers, but I think there's a chance for them somewhere to beat a middle of the pack team who's just having an off week, like the Bears. Like I could see them beating the Bears later on this season. The Lions. We mentioned their lack of star power. Well, they walked away from their biggest star for the past ten years in Matthew Stafford in this off season. You know, it's funny. The Lions have been probably the worst franchise in the NFL in I'd our lifetime. So. Browns are start. Browns are starting to wake up. I was going to say, as of three years ago, the Browns were pretty much even keel. Browns are starting to wake up now. They got a playoff win under their belt. Lions haven't even been to the playoffs in God. Stafford Five took them in twenty ten. I think it was even longer no, than that. No, no, he was only a second year guy. Hey, in 2010. I don't know. I don't know. But they have not been, been to the playoffs in a long time. They haven't won a playoff game since the 90s. Since before we were born. Yeah. And you look at teams like the Jets. They've been to a couple AFC championship games. The Jags have been to an AFC championship game. I mean, A couple. Abysmal teams still find success, except for the Lions. So 
they're just the worst franchise, I think, in the NFL right since, now. I would say maybe probably since the, the, the NFL-AFL merger. But they have individual stars. Like, they had the Barry Sanders, who decided to leave early because the Lions suck. Calvin Johnson decided to retire early because the Lions suck. Matt Stafford decides that he wants out because the Lions suck. So they can't keep the stars or build around the stars, and that's their biggest problem. And you know what the hilarious thing to me is, Tom, is that now Matthew Stafford's on a 7-2 and two Rams team. They just bring in OBJ like it's nothing. Yeah, they're playing Madden franchise mode right now. It's... They are. And, 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 and Matt Stafford is reaping all of those benefits. This guy cannot, this guy cannot have gone from – one franchise to a different franchise and or a second franchise and have the difference be any greater than it is. I think to the, go from Detroit to LA, come, th- there is no bigger difference. The biggest question I think surrounding the Rams though is can you take the man out of Detroit, but can you take the Detroit, Detroit out of the man? Um, we'll see. Because I think I mean, he's the one that could blow it all. He's going to be playing in. This is annoying to say in later no in later January because now we have two games in early yeah. January for the regular season. So I, he's going to be playing in later January and early February. We'll see when it comes to that point. The guy who came from LA to Detroit, and this will segue into the offensive side of things for us, is Mr. Jared Goff. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick in 2016 by the LA Rams at the time. I think they were the St. Louis Rams. No, they were still they were just becoming the LA Rams. Jeff Fisher picking Jared Goff had some moments, went to a Super Bowl, was always thought of as an average quarterback that was made better because of Sean McVay and the amazing skill players surrounding him in LA. Pretty evident now that that's true. I think so. He is one of the only two quarterbacks that averages a depth of target less than Ben Roethlisberger this year. <laughs> Big Ben's is around like 6.7. Goff only averages around 6.5 yards down the field every time he drops back to pass. Uh, Jared Goff has got eight touchdowns this year, or less than that. He's got uh, about six touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. Three interceptions is good. Six, Six touchdowns, touchdowns is not through nine games, and he's got sixty-seven percent completion percentage, which is good, but he doesn't risk it at all. There's no downfield throws. There's no, you know, I'm gonna put this thing in a tight window kind of thing. It's well, they have no target. It's immediately time. throwing the ball away. And even Dan Campbell a couple weeks ago said after one of their losses, "Need more from Goff. I need him to try to be a quarterback a little bit instead of being ultra, ultra, ultra conservative." Either way, I think Jared Goff's days as a starter numbered in this league. He could league. be a, a, a solid backup. I think that's what's going to happen. The rest of his a journeyman backup mm-hmm. is is what's coming his way. But I, I think this Lions year, because I think the Lions are going to go with a quarterback in this draft class or or look out into the free agency. I think this Lions year is the final nail in the coffin. Well, they need those, but it's this final nail in the coffin. I think. I think this is it as the Jared Goff starter. Train. I think that leaves the station after this season. It's very possible. I mean, I got to be honest, though, Tom. He just does not have the options. You look at the Lions offense. The two leading receivers on the team are T.G. Hawkinson and DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Swift. Uh, what's his name? Jamal Williams, who came over from Green Bay, is the one, two, three, four, five, six leading receiver on that team. So in and he hasn't practiced six, this week. So no, in your top six, you have two running backs and a tight end. I mean, the receivers just—I I couldn't even name—I couldn't tell you the first names of these guys. Amon Ra, St. Brown. That's Khalif the best. Khalif Raymond. That's the best name in football. Amon Ra, Ra St. Brown. Brown. That's awesome. And then what's this guy's name? Quintus. Quintus Cephas. Cephas. Another good name. You know who else they have? You'll rec. This is the one name I recognized at least. 
Geronimo Allison. Remember him from Green Bay? I do. You don't uh, remember he, him from been, Green Bay? He's just one of those names. It's he's now, one of the Rodgers names. It's yeah. just now, you know, Marquez Valdez. Exactly. And Alan Lazard. He's yep. just one of those names. Exactly. One of those guys. Geronimo Allison. Amon Ross St. Brown's the rookie. He's got the potential, I think. But he's not like a world beater kind of potential kind of, you know, I'm going to become the next Jamar Chase. Like, he doesn't have that kind of no. skill set. He's more of a slot guy. Uh, there's no one that scares you in the receiving core. The pass catcher to worry about is TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's right. a legit tight end. And, I mean, top five trending tight end in the league. It's just he's stuck in Detroit, so no one really knows about him. But he's he's got all the skills, man. He's got the complete package. I've heard Williamson say all week he hopes Fryermuth can develop into a kind of TJ Hawkinson-like player. So TJ's probably the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Hell, he might be the best player on the team in general. Right. But when your best player is a tight end. And he's not even the best at his position. Uh, yeah. And you're, and, you're, and you're saying he could be top five in his position. But I'm not, I'm not for sure on that. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, so. he, he is fringe top five at his position, and that's the best guy you have on either side of the ball. And I think there's a lot of potential for Swift, the running back, young yeah, running so back out of Georgia. He's really good in the pass-catching game out of the yeah, backfield. Yeah, like I said, he's second in the, in, on the team with targets, yards, and catches. But these are all pieces that help complement a team that's already established. These aren't the building blocks that you, you can't. You can't build around a good pass-catching tight end and a strong out-of-the-backfield running back. Like Those are the things you add on later when you have a good receiver and good quarterback play that helps put you over the top as an offense. Uh, they're kind of just pieces that don't really mean anything when your quarterback is below the line, right. your line isn't that great, gives up about 2.8 sacks per game, and you got no one running routes for you at the receiving position. So... Hawkinson and Swift are great, but they can't really do much for you when you're as bad everywhere else as the Lions are. And when your quarterback throwing them the ball is Jared Goff. Yeah. I, this guy, I mean, I feel bad. He lit it up in week one coming back from the Niners. Right. And it was against a, what we thought at the time was a really good defense. Yeah. San Francisco has kind of been exposed as what we thought could return to 2019, that defense that got to, to the Super Bowl not really anywhere close to that caliber of a defense anymore. And we thought, wow, what an impressive showing by the Lions in week one to put up 33 points on that Niners defense. Now that's kind of looking like, again, Tom, hang the banner. Hang the banner. We scored 33 points in week one, Detroit Lions 2021. That's basically all they have to celebrate there in Detroit. There's really not much else to look forward to or to look back on on a positive light. Uh I know it, this is a this is I've said this on a couple of uh, outlets that I'm on this week. This is the pulling teeth game. Like at least with the the Bears talking about it, there was some excitement because you had Justin Fields, mm -hmm. young quarterback that's exciting. There's a future there in Chicago. You have good weapons around him. Yeah, you have, like, great pieces on defense. And you know what, Darnell Mooney showed me in that game. He's going to be a good receiver for the Bears too. And the Lions though. There's just nothing there. That's why I say it's like going to the dentist talking about this game. There's just nothing we're there. Trying, There's we're nothing. To give them credit. There's no young rookie yeah. that we can just be like, well, maybe he's got potential because I think Goff is cooked. Like, I don't see potential in Goff anymore. There's no, oh, they got a running game and a really strong offensive line that they can build around moving forward. There's, there's none of that. The only real thing I can say that I see out of Detroit that is a positive is they play tough. 
They're 0-8, and they still don't seem to quit on their coach, although the blowout they just had to the Eagles might indicate that that might be coming now, mm-hmm. that they might be quitting on their coach. Off of a bye week, though, I think they're going to be bought in. You know, I think the whole mantra this week in Detroit from Dan Campbell has been, guys, I know this has been a tough year because not only are we 0-8, but you probably are sitting here thinking we should have won a couple of those games that we ended up losing. Go out there, go to Heinz Field and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, marquee franchise in the NFL for your first win. That'll make that'll get that sour taste of the almost wins out of your mouth real quick. So I, I think this is being billed, at least if I was Dan Campbell and the coach, as this is our Super Bowl this year. Go out and get a win against the Steelers. Yeah, I, I think you could say that for any game that they Moving forward for. now. Just doesn't matter who you're playing, just that given week. No matter the relationship or the rival, the rivalry you have existing with them, I mean, there's really no rivalry between Detroit and Pittsburgh. Looking down the schedule, any team that they play, as long as they're still winless, you have to treat that as your Super Bowl. Lay everything on the line and just try your hardest to win because if you don't, it's going to look more and more like you go 0-17. And you hate that. Right, as a fan of football, you don't want to see a team go winless. I don't know. I kind of like it. Really, I really do. Yeah, because uh, it's just. I, kinda, I. I mean, I. I loved it for the Browns. It's interesting because then it's like, well, here's the thing though. There's so much drama going on in the NFL down the stretch. You don't really need this, but it is like a little nice side piece to just be like, oh, are they going to keep losing? Like, oh, keep an eye on that as we it's, roll it's through the year. It's a story to follow for sure, but still, I mean, you got to feel bad, especially since it's De- since it's Detroit. A couple games that they could go two years in the last what it was 2008, so 13 years, twice in the last 13 years to go undefeated or winless. That's hard. That is hard to be a Detroit Lions fan. The only game that I really see that they can win still on the schedule the Bears on Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. maybe the Vikings after, because they played the Vikings really tough in Minnesota the week before, and then Denver, I think they could maybe go to Denver. I was going to say Atlanta, too. I don't know if I'm as... Oh, the seven-seed Falcons. You're you're disparaging them. That seven-seed in the NFC is going to be an abysmal football team. Right. No matter who gets it. The top six is going to be solid, and then it's going to be number seven. Yeah. It just gets... Absolutely lucky, and then run, like run out through the mud by Rodgers or Brady or whoever's by the third, there. Yeah, by the third seed team, right? So, basically, in closing, I guess about the Detroit Lions when you're the Steelers, run the ball down their throat. Do not turn the football over. That's how you lose games to lesser teams. That's how you Ooh, almost lost Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah, you don't turn the ball over. You don't give them those momentum kind of changing plays. Be on your toes for the trick play too. Dan Campbell loves to do that against the better teams. Look the right for the onside kicks, the fake punts. Two successful fake punts and a recovered onside kick for Dan Campbell's lines against the L.A. Rams in a game they only lost by nine points when they were like 20-point underdogs or something like that. Keep an eye out for the fake stuff. Keep an eye out for all the the BS kind of mishigash, if you will, that they're going to throw at you because they're just not a good football team, so they got to win with gimmicks. Do not turn the ball over. You're going to get a lot of pressure on Jared Goff, so sack the quarterback. You always do that. Let's start getting the interception. Cam started it this past week. Let's it start. It's not even Cam. But I mean, we love to see. He's Cam tied do for it. the team lead in interceptions. Crazy. You, it needs to be. It needs to be Minka. It needs to be Joe. It needs to be Terrell. It needs to be Cam. It needs to be Arthur Millette. 
let this guy let's have, start let, let's have this guy have somewhat of a good day let's start having this happen though let's start getting those turnovers via the interception I'm looking at you, Terrell Edmonds, because you're going to draw TJ Hawkinson in the matchup most times, and he's going to be the one that they target. He had 34% of the targets in the Lions' loss to the Eagles two weeks ago. Jump one of those routes, Edmonds. Pick one off from Jared Goff. You might not even need to jump a route because Goff is so bad, he might just throw it right in your lap. So just make sure you catch it. But got to see an interception from that. Let's not forget Terrell Edmonds against Jacksonville's backup quarterback last year. Whoever the went guy nuts to interceptions. Yeah, hopefully he can capture some of that magic against Detroit. But if the Steelers lose this game, you got me because I have no idea sitting here right now how that can possibly happen. You have no excuses. Yeah, at that point, even say there's even a chance of them making the playoffs, I say zero. Zero if they lose this one. If they lose this one, they got to get to six and three before the stretch run. Say in. the Ravens and the Browns and and the Bengals all fumble and just lose gas toward the end of the season and that keeps the Steelers in the hunt, I still say zero. With the Bears game, I at least was like, you know what? Justin Fields could have his rookie moment and just go off and you know what? He almost did and beat the Steelers. I Like I said, if they lose, I'd sit here in this chair on Monday, do sta- the Steelers standard with you and I will be dumbfounded. I have no... idea no how it could it, happen yeah. other than Ben throwing four pick sixes or something crazy like that. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next week.